1: I what they might say we love Jesus anyway. God is the one pursuing the lost sinner God's the one coming after him He waits to break the conscience down So he can sow into your mind Impressions Propositions He'll get you with a bunch of phobic stuff Crazy stuff When you wake up You are compelled to find out What that was about
2: When it comes to having a passion that succeeds, I think of gymnasts or other sports enthusiasts who take their passion and make something great out of it, from the Olympics to the World Series. But when it comes to our faith in Christ, do we have that same passion that our desire for all men to be saved actually comes to fruition? Well, that's the question we're looking at today as we continue our look at a message called The Forgiveness of Sins, Our Desire for All Men, out of Job chapter 33, verses 14 through 30. Please join us there as we are challenged to have a desire that all men be forgiven of their sins, come to a saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church in Hayward with today's broadcast of Way of Grace.
1: His name is Elihu, okay? Elihu. Now the word is very interesting because it means this. He is my God. That's what Elihu means. He's the youngest of the group. We meet him in chapter 32, verse 1, where he plainly tells all the old men, I have hung out, I have waited, I've heard y'all all all talk, now I want to speak. Now let me let you know what Elihu wants to do. He has plainly said that he wants to correct all four of them for getting God wrong. And then he states in Job chapter 33, the last three verses, Job, my desire is to justify you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, justification is the work of God alone. Elihu is a great type of the Spirit of Christ— He's going to show us how the Spirit of Christ brings a man or woman to a place of justifying them so that they know the forgiveness of sins. Are y'all ready to take the journey? Here's how the Spirit of God works. Now watch this. When the Spirit of God is working like this, you don't know it. Only God knows it and the man or the woman that God is dealing with. But he may grant you with maturity some discernment, some unction that God is working. Am I making some sense? For this work is a deep work. Now, I want you to see the process. And y'all, if you know what it means, how God starts tapping on your shoulder when he's starting to call you by his grace and you are in the midst of crazy, God's tapping on your shoulder. Anybody remember how that went? God's tapping on your shoulder. You're in the midst of crazy and you start hearing the voice. And God comes in ways that only God can come. Y'all going to walk with me now for the next 40 minutes. Here's how this goes then. Point number one, uh, which would be point number three in our outline. I want you to see how God begins to work. The point is entitled, The Humility Necessary Before What? That's our fundamental theme, isn't it? Proverbs 15, Before Honor is what? Humility. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might what? Exalt you in due season. Ladies and gentlemen, God always humbles us before he exalts us. Under point number three, then let me show you something as a process starting in verse 14 of our text as to how this works. In 33, verse 14, here's what Elijah begins to say. Are you there? For God speaketh once, yea, twice, and yet man does not perceive it. You guys get that? God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man does not perceive it. What Elihu is describing here is how that God speaks. It says he speaks twice. And then he says, but man does not perceive it. I want you to get this now. When God begins to deal with men, he deals with them in their lost state. He begins to declare his word to them through the preaching of the gospel. Hear me now and they don't get it. That's intentional. They don't get it. Why? Because with the natural man, the things of God are foolishness. Point number one, teaching you something. When God is dealing with a person, what he will let that person know is they can't get God's truth until they have been humbled. When God's dealing with a person, they will hear God's word as it's declared by the preacher, but it won't land on the heart to mean anything until God has broken up the follow ground. So God speaks twice. Man does not perceive it. He does not understand it. He does not comprehend it. But we're still what? Praying. We're not disappointed when God's word does not come, come home with clarity in the mind of the lost person. God's affirming his word. None of us understand God until he opens our understanding. Do you guys get that? So what Elihu says is plainly, God's speaking once, yea, twice, and yet man does not perceive it. But what does God do? He presses on in. This is absolutely phenomenal. He presses into what we call, in verse 15, a dream. Do you see it? In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men in the slumberings of their bed. This is absolutely amazing to me. What is he doing? What is he doing? You know what God is doing? God speaks to men and women at a time when their resistance level is low. Watch this now. Now, in that culture, one of the primary ways in which God dealt with people was through dreams. The vast majority of the revelation given before the Bible was written was dreams. Every now and then, a visitation. Every now and then, an angel. Largely dreams. Joseph was a dreamer. Pharaoh caught the dream. The butler and the baker caught the dream. Job had dreams. David had dreams. Dreams were a common mechanism. Are you guys hearing me? And so God deals with men while they are asleep. Why? Because your resistance mechanism is low then. When you are awake, you can actually control your thoughts and your emotions are vital. And when you are susceptible to the preaching of God's Word, your conscience is convicted and you raise up walls against the truth. But brothers and sisters, when you go into that REM sleep where your soul is floating around and your thoughts are all discombobulated, guess what God can come in there? He comes in there and gives you a revelation, a vision, a dream. He puts together images and symbols and begins to instruct your soul. Look at how the text puts it. Look at how the text puts it. I'm going to explain to you why. Here's what he says. While men are slumbering and sleeping in their bed, because during the day we're running from God. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. I I ran from God. For 18 years, he locked the brother up, put him to sleep. And when I woke up, I was stuck on God. How about you? Why? Because God is the one pursuing the lost sinner. God's the one coming after him. He waits to break the conscience down so he can sow into your mind impressions, propositions. He'll get you with a bunch of phobic stuff, crazy stuff. When you wake up you are compelled to find out what that was about. Watch this now. Notice what it says in verse 16. Let me keep this going, help you understand something. Then he opened it their what? Ah, pastor, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. When the word came to them in the propositional preaching of the gospel, and they were in the pride of their strength, and they could argue, They wouldn't hear me, they wouldn't hear you, they wouldn't hear mama, they wouldn't hear daddy, because they're running in their pride. They've got their plans, they've got their schemes, they've got their agendas, right? As the Bible says, there are many devices in the heart of a man, but the purposes of God, that's going to stand. So he catches them when they're most vulnerable. And when they wake up, they don't know there was a shift in their trajectory, and what God had done in their sleep state was position them so they could begin to hear. Look at what it says. Then he what? Openeth the ears of men. Now that Hebrew word there, quickly, means simply to unveil his truth. So that all of a sudden, they can hear the Bible now. You know there are brothers and sisters when they come to church, they can't hear a thing pastors saying. And then one day... They come in and are on the edge of their seat. And it's as if they have a solo audience with God. And God is crystal clear when he's talking to them. Why? He has removed the veil from their hearing. And now they're interested in what God has to say. That's God's work, not your work. And now they come into church for God, not because of mama, not because of papa, not because of cousin, not because of friends, but because of God. He opens that ear. He opens that ear. And when he opens the ear, he does something. He seals in them, what's the word? The word literally is chastisement. Let me help you briefly. Now the word chastisement and the word instruction are two sides of the same coin with God. What's going on? That particular Hebrew word is prominent in the Proverbs where the father instructs his son in wisdom. And all of us who are children of God, are children of God are what? Father. And doesn't all whom the Lord loves, he what? Now remember the word chasten doesn't simply mean to pull the belt out. But what it always means is to correct you. It always means to rebuke you. It always means to check you, literally check you. Now, this is the advantage that a son has who has his father with him, and his father cares about how he thinks. And when they're close together, Papa is always saying, now, son, don't do that. That's okay, but let me help you, let me help you do that in a wiser way. Son, come over here. I saw you when you handled that business, but that wasn't good. Here's how you should do it. Or, now, you know that was wrong. Go back and fix that, boy. Go back and fix that. That's called chastisement. It's the goal of taking the paideia and growing them up, maturing them, developing them. What's phenomenal about verse 16 is that the father has snuck in imperceptibly and owned that person as his son. The one who was rebelling against God's Word, the one who was opposing God's truth, the one who was denying God's Word, mocking God. Now, all of a sudden, guess what? He's listening to God. Here's how you know. He don't have to come to you anymore. He's opening his Bible for himself. He's reading his Bible for himself. He's sneaking and praying for himself. Because in the vulnerable place where he was weak, God began to wake him up. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now he still, she still looks real bad on the outside. She's still walking around with the Egyptian clothes of her ghetto-ness. <laughs> looking real bad in her ghetto-ness. He's still looking real bad as a Babylonian. But the work begins on the inside. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right. This is why we bring them. This is why we bring them. Peradventure the Holy Ghost. Get a hold of them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right, so let's keep working. So he opens their ears and he seals, I love that word. That is your common term for certifying, qualifying to be authentic. It's what a king does when he seals a document with his ring, as did uh, Xerxes when he gave the ring to, um, to, um, to Haman, and when he gave the ring to Esther and Mordecai. He seals it. Now, what God has done is sealed that person and designated them for the process of the forgiveness of sins. See, every one of God's elect are what? Sealed. Are we sealed? With the Holy Ghost. We are God's property, and God's going to get us the glory, even if it means tearing up everything in your life. He's going to get you the glory. Do you believe it? He's going to get you the glory. Verse 17. Here we go. Here we go. Verse 17. That he may withdraw man from his what? Oh, I love this. Now, God works on the inside, and God works on the what? Outside. So on the inside, what he does is he discombobulates that person's confidence. He causes that person to lose his confidence in his schemes and his plans. He no longer has the same level of pride and assertion and aggression that he did before. Watch how this works. That he may withdraw man. You see the word withdraw? Restrain him. Literally, take him out of his course, keep him back from his purpose, and hide pride from man. Let me explain that last clause. When God gets a hold of a young person or a young man, young woman, and begins to deal with them, they lose confidence in themselves as God, they begin to struggle with their choices. And they might begin to ask you, can you tell me, would this be the right way to do a thing? Maybe God is working. But what he's certainly doing when he's drawing, he's completely demolishing their plans in their heart. And watch this, watch this. It says, and he begins to hide what from men? The word here literally is lifting up. And really what it connotes is he stops the person from their goal. And their goal falls apart so that they can't boast. See, the lifting up is the boasting in the works of your own hand, boasting in what you have done, boasting in your accomplishments. Now, child of God, you know that God resists the what? Right. So no child of grace ever says that what they do, they did all by themselves. It's always a product of God's mercy and grace, right? When God's dealing with that person, drawing them to himself, he causes them to see that their plans are collapsing right in front of his face. Sometimes he'll let it fall apart publicly. In order to hide pride, hide his success, hide what he could have been, which would have made him even more of a proud monster and drew him farther away from God— See, now right here is where I'm going to admonish you. Mama, don't try to rescue him when God is trying to save him. Daddy, don't try to rescue her when God's trying to save them. You got to go down before you what? Got to go down. Got to go down. Please understand that work. It might look bad to you and your heart goes out. Say, Lord, keep me because I am quick to be a pseudo-savior. Mamas and daddies will save their children from God when you think that they can be saved without first being broken. God breaks all of his people before he brings them in. You guys got that? That he may hide pride from man. Verse 18. Here it is. Let's keep going. He keeps back his soul from the what? Love this verb here. You don't see what's going on, but literally God has intervened in that person's life. He has actually put his hand on that person and drew them back from the pit. No one knows it but them and God. See, when you and I are headed walking in and going towards darkness, we're slaves of sin. We have no control of the process. And when the incline incline gets steep, we start rolling down into hell. And we know we're out of control. And unless God comes and gets us and begins to draw us back, we're tumbling into hell. And when he begins to draw you back, you sense that a power greater than your circumstances has intervened to get a hold of you, stopped you in your momentum going down to the pit. It's an amazing experience. Watch this. He keeps his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the what? So many of us know what would have happened to us had that car not caught a flat. So many of us know what would have happened to us if we had jumped in that car with our buddies. So many of us know what would have happened if the police didn't pull us over and lock us up that night. So many of us know how God intervenes to stop us from destroying ourselves. Verse 39, verse 39. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed. The motif now switches back to the common metaphor that when God is dealing with you, you often are sick spiritually. Remember, David was on his sickbed, constantly describing how God deals with him when he's pining away because of his iniquity. Notice what it says. He is chastened also with what? He's chastened also with what? Upon his bed. Now, this could be physical, because certainly look, and the multitude of his bones with strong what? Verse 20. So that his life abhors bread, and his soul what? Verse 21. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that used to be seen what? Ladies and gentlemen, you know what God has just done? Put that brother or sister on a fast. And I've been saying it for years. True fasting is not the fast that you determine to do. Well, I'm going on a fast. Well, God's not in that. You can fast all you want to. You can fast to lose lose weight. You can fast to get beautiful skin. You can fast for whatever you, you can fast to feel good. You can fast to be healthier, but it's not spiritual. Please understand that. You don't get closer to God by fasting until God does it. And when God does it, you're not hungry for physical food. He causes you to fast from food and folly. He causes you to fast from normal digestive food for your body. And the food of your folly that you generally engage in. When God begins to deal with you, you no longer, for that season of sickness, want to go to the club. Want to go online and watch that porn. You no longer want to drink from that perverse pit of iniquity. Because you're fasting. And God did it. Now all of a sudden you want a little quiet space. Now you know you're rowdy by nature. But now you want quiet. You no longer are answering your cell phone or your text messages because you want quiet now. Now, you know you stuck on stupid, but now you want quiet because God is causing you to fast and you're losing weight quickly because he's about to teach you the first principle of saving revelation. Verse 22. Verse 22. Yea, his soul draws near unto the what? and his life to the what? That man, that woman, begins to address, you see it in your outline, their mortality. Right, you know when we're in the strength of our pride, we don't even think about dying. It doesn't even come to mind. You won't have that conversation with anybody. The notion that you could die today, before you leave this room, you could have a heart attack, a stroke, die. Any of us, young or old, You never think that way in your pride. You never think that way in your strength. You know what you do? You make plans without God. Today I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to do that. The next week I'm going to do that. I'm going to build my kingdom by my own strength. But when God shows you your mortality, you know what the young person begins to do? He begins to think, I could die tonight. You got that? That's how God dealt with me. He made it clear that I was a mortal creature at 18 years old. And he began to show me all of my friends whom I knew and saw die from 14 years old. And he let me know that there was no reason why I couldn't die tonight because I was doing the same thing they were doing. Slanging dope and running the streets and gang banging. But he made it real to me my mortality. And then I, you know what else he made real? that there are those who are called destroyers. That's the second line. His soul draws near to the grave and his life to the destroyers. What God begins to do is to show you that there is another dimension to reality of entities who control and manipulate the lives and souls of men of whom you formerly did not believe existed.
2: Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10, and then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at two zero four five zero royal avenue that's here in hayward and the zip code is 94541 if you're trying to tom tom us or uh, google us for the map you can also get directions at our website grace-bible.com again that's grace-bible.com or simply call for directions 510-886-9782 that's 510-886-9782 As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782 or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today. Trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan.
1: say. We love Jesus